unleash your bootstraps and get comfy, cause we are getting close to the night's end. The fire is dimming, and my voice is getting weary, but that ain't gonna stop me from telling you all about what happened next. You see, I left for Deadwood, but meanwhile, the rest of the Rady boys, they needed to head to Pinton, and so they did. Upon the valorous scoundrel, no less. There, they were to meet with Abbot Nyssa, who had been standing in for Cullum as the Cardinal Bishop. But the rumors of his relationship with Queen Margaret paved the way for his fall from grace. Last you heard of me, I had helped track down a terrible fiend. But... With the talents of our small band, the Gorful Four, we defeated that creature and sent it back to the abyss. But more than just demons haunted our mission, I was soon to find out that me own past were about to catch up with me. After a night of partying and basically bringing freedom to the town of Broken Harbor by annihilating the enemies and bolstering up the townsfolk, you lay your sweet little head down onto your pillow and take a rest. As you fall into a dream, you awaken within the Abbey of the Eights refectory. This is a place where you would go and eat your meals. There's all these kind of tables, wooden tables around with long benches, stone walls, but everything kind of outside of a 40 foot radius feels very black, very faded as if something's focusing you down into this moment. When you look up from the tea and biscuits that you're munching on, which was a childhood favorite of yours, you see someone sitting across from you at the bench just across the table. They have a black hood over and a stag skull mask, and they're just watching you eat. And finally, a voice says, mm. Are you enjoying your little snack? Uh, yes. Who, what are you doing here? You do realize that is how Athelstan was murdered, right? Just a simple tea before bed. I look at my tea and put it down and kind of push it away. Duke Erwin is a mischievous man. Aston became king to protect the throne and its dignity. Do you know of those who led the islands before the self-proclaimed King Elric? No, I, 
don't. <laughs> Typical. Never looking into a time before the Thessalon faith. When it sank its claws into the politics of our nation. It was the High Lords. They led the people. Victorious in battle, strong, fierce warriors. The men who could push us forward into new horizons. Do you know who I speak of when I say High Lord Victor? Oh, yes. Yes, High Lord Victor was the one who killed Nyx, right? The, the deity? Hmm. Yes, became a god amongst mortals. And he vowed to bring eternal life to the humans of Kinsdale. Then, Elric Whitehammer betrayed him, sending him to an early grave before he could exert his true powers. And an elven mage assisted this Whitehammer, and Victor was destroyed. At least his physical manifest. His spirit, much like Thessla's, still remains, but has been cast into shadow a realm known as the Abyss. He is survived by his devoted followers. I am one of them, and I am here to make things right, to gift the humans of Traylon the eternal life they have always deserved. Why, why are you telling me this? Because I want you to see the sense and what we are doing, what we are trying to achieve. Do you think it is fair that gods created men to die? That we should suffer to lose those around us in fear and await our own deaths? Death? Death is a part of life. That's what makes life worth living. It gives meaning. It loses its meaning when all memory dies. Victor, he was unique before becoming a deity. He was a first created and had lived many, many centuries. Had lived much longer than his own descendants. He was cursed to watch his loved ones die one by one. And what reason or meaning would you give for that? None other than his creator's enjoyment. So Victor slew the gods that created him and begot Karnos, the god of undeath and eternal living. I can help you live forever, Talnius, but you must first pledge your devotion to Karnos. Leave your faith in Thessla, the betrayer, the dying god. Can I try and take control of this dream in a way of, like, forcing him out of my dream? Yeah, you'll have to make a wisdom save. Okay. That's a 21. Ooh. Nice. You watch as Anti-Thesla begins to blink in and out of existence before you. Be gone. As he is leaving, he does say, The architect, he wanted to keep the eternal life for the gods, but became 
Thessla, foolishly. You must know more about the Creator, the things that Bartom kept from you, the abuse the bishop put you through. The church would have you believe that I am a demon, but it is Thessla who is the demon, a parasite who couldn't see their creation succeed and in turn destroyed them. And then he is gone. You spend the last moments of your dream just kind of alone in this refectory, wind coming in slowly through blowing through the stone halls and the stone room in which you are sitting when finally you come awake and there is someone knocking at the door of your room in the Whisper Inn Saloon. I shake off the sleepiness in my eyes and, wow, that was... Uh, who is it? The door creaks open. It is Lady Britt with her short cropped hair and it looks like she has her riding gear on and she's like, hey, everyone's already downstairs. We must ride south for the Valorous Scoundrel. Uh, will you be ready soon? Oh, yes. Uh, sorry, I, I just slept in, I guess. Um, I'll, I'll be getting ready right now. Trust me, we all did. I actually got some takeaway from Jill's fish and chips for everyone waiting down there. We oh, gotta yeah. sop up these hangovers with for something. Sure. So, fish and chips sounds good for breakfast. Whenever you're ready. <laughs> it's fish and waffles. <laughs> yeah. So you head down where you see Ias and Rory also sitting in the main area of the Whisper and Saloon, sitting at one of the dining tables. You guys are already chowing down on some of the fish and chips that Lady Britt brought for you. Hey, why do they call these things chips? I don't know. Maybe it's because they're so crispy. They're like chippy. Hmm. That's good. They're good, though. Hey, uh, guys, I just had the weirdest dream. I uh, I think Anti-Tesla was contacting me. What? Yeah. I, uh, I just had a dream and had a conversation with the only person I can assume it to be is Anti-Tesla. He, you know, had a, a dark cowl over and, and uh, the the stag's mask and, and such on. I mean, that, that's him. Pretty Anti-Tesla. What did he tell you? He's trying to give the people of Trayland unlimited life or, or eternal life through worship of his deity, Karnas. He Essentially, he told me to forego my belief in Thesla and change deities to Karnas and uh, I could have eternal life, which Karnas is, according to him, the deity of undeath. So, not good. <sighs> but Thesla's your boy. I know. Are you going to do that? No, no, definitely not. I mean, it's It'd be cool. You it know. sounds really shady. I mean, like, what we've witnessed just from Anti-Tesla, from all the beings we just got done fighting last night, there's no way you would ever change sides. But, uh, you know, obviously it's up to you. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. No, uh, you're right. I would never. But uh, I'm concerned because I'm sure that his offer to me is not the first offer he's made to other people. And I'm concerned that People will join his cause with the ability or with the, the promise of unlimited life. Oh, shit. Do you think Aston took that deal? You know, probably. I I bet he did. Mm. Lady Britt's just like, <laughs> like eating the last of her <laughs> chips and just like, oh, fuck. Well, that's not good to, to think about, but... Um, <sighs> 
Shall we we be off then? Yeah. Yeah, should we yeah. say goodbye to Kaloon? When you guys woke up, he and the other group had already left off for Deadwood. They mm-hmm. they got up like before sunrise. It's kind of closer to noon. You all kind of slept in a little bit later. Looks like he's already gone. Wow. Lady Britt's like, oh, uh, about that. And she pulls out an, a note and hands it over to you guys. Dear Rowdy Boys. <laughs> it's a recorded note. <laughs> Tis such sweet, sweet sorrow to have to leave on the eve of such a important mission you must undertake. But me previous lady friend needs my help, so I'm going to go and make sure she don't die. I will meet again, worry not, and save your tears. Until next time. Huh. Throw it in the fire. <laughs> that was definitely plagiarized. Does it mention anything about a goat? Yeah. What's it say about the goat? Are you? Am I the one reading it? Yeah. <laughs> You're the reading guy. You're the reading boy. The numbers. Yeah. Guy. He says he found a goat and it keeps disappearing and then reappearing and. Oh wait, guys. He's the numbers guy, not the reading, oh, not guy. the letters not guy. The goat oh, guy. sorry. I'm still tired. <laughs> P.S. On the dawn of the third day, look to the east and you'll see a goat rise over the mountain. <laughs> nice. That makes sense. That there seems like is. something he would say. Classic Kowloon. Okay, now mm. it's not forged. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I guess he he made his way out this morning, so maybe we should just keep going. Yes, uh, his group it, with Janessa, they said that they would try to meet up with an orcish fleet at Adamsport mm. near Penton. So, yes, all seems to be going according to plan so far. Let us ride. You guys kind of gather the last of your things, pick up your bags, head outside, unhitch your horses, and make the half-mile ride south toward the hidden inlet where her and Cass had originally harbored the Valorous Scoundrel. This thing literally crumbles into a mound of rotting corpse and decay. The smell, for some reason, though, dissipates. Ah, and we come out of battle. Nice. Stacy is kind of shell-shocked a little bit, and she's like, oh, that was exhilarating, but also terrifying. I, yeah. Uh, should we go check on the other two? Oh, yeah. You guys rush out. You don't hear the gunshots anymore. Janessa had one of the stakes from Abbot Josiah like at her side and she like that is dripping with vampiric ichor and she's just kind of wide-eyed and like oh, I think that's what the what the hell was in that cave? Um a weird demon-looking thing. Uh honestly, I'm kind of getting tired of all these undead creatures, but uh You know, I'll keep killing them, I suppose, as long as they keep coming at me. Oh, man. Well, there was just another... There must have been another band of these gods, because as soon as we got done playing our little ditty, (laughs) they came out of the woods like, like crazy. But it seems like it has stopped for now. Are you are you okay, Janessa? How's how's midnight? Oh, she's good. And you see you see uh, midnight just like finishing tearing out the throat of one of these vampires, <laughs> and like looking up and like <laughs> like oh, super excited. Good girl. Carrots is just eating like one blade of grass that she found in the background. Like the only <laughs> blade of grass in all of Deadwood. Yeah, Cass comes out and all the horses are kind of following him, and he's like, "Is that is that about all of them?" And Janessa's like, I, I, I think so. I think so for now. We should definitely, um, 
we should maybe uh, gather up in this cave and, and do a little bit of in- investigation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I while we're still in the light, I take out the cloak and look at the symbol. It is like two silvered antlers, both matching the cloak that you saw and matching what all this cultish stuff that you've been following. Those that's the symbol. Give me investigation checks inside of the cavern because you're also still looking for some uh, people. Yeah, for some people. Oh yeah, <laughs> there might be people alive. Oh, that's why we came here. That's a twenty, not natural, but twenty. Nice. Fourteen. Selvi and Stacy, you guys go further down the tunnel looking for the survivors because that was more imperative to you all. Kaloon, something's kind of keeping you just like in this room, like what happened here? Like also kind of connected to what you were investigating earlier. Mm-hmm. You come to the final bunk, something starts to kind of click with the scene in front of you. There is the body of one of these cultists. And it's a skeleton, obviously, still. It has in its hand a very rusted longsword and what looks like a shield was on its left hand. So one of the more militant cultists of this group, uh-huh. uh, looking at the ground beside it, you see what seems to be the skeleton of a severed arm. Something begins to kind of click with that. Uh-huh. No, I mean, it clicks with me. I'm just making sure. And so you kind of follow that back and it looked like it was protecting this like last bunk behind. You look on the ground a little bit doing your detective Kowloon (laughs) sleuthing, like the little music comes up in the background. You can tell that this bunk bed, it it can move. Okay. So I, I then attempt to move it. You easily are able to move the uh, bunk bed away. Beneath, it seems like there is some kind of like secret compartment. There is like a wood hatch carved into this stone. Yeah, okay, so I open it or try to. Within, you see like a go bag in case something happens and you need to get away very quickly. It looks like it's been in there for decades. So like it has some rations in it. In the very back, pocket you find a journal inside of this bag and the journal has two specific passages that jump out at you all right so i'll just read these as though i'm just reading it to myself but it's just for the audience my love for berlinda is more than just fleeting i believe her to be strong-willed and able to become a leader Amongst our band, we must wait for the Scion to return. But until then, may the swelling power of Karnas continue to unite us under one worthy cause, immortality. Huh. And the... The scholars have discovered that the Craigheart Stone is the key to the altar. We could unlock so much more knowledge, so much so that not another dwarf would ever kill another orc and hate again. That instead, we will see the orc as our brothers and sisters. And finally, Sutland will be an island of peace, 
I am sorry to send away Brolinda while with child, but her mission is of the utmost importance. The, the Scion will be very pleased. And Kalun closes the journal and slowly lowers it to his side. Huh. And is just processing the information. Okay, we'll skip over to Selvi and Stacy as they reach the end of the tunnel. You get past what looks like at some point before this demon took up home here. This was used as a home for a collection of of people, probably the skeletons that you saw on your way in. When you go further back, there is a locked and shut door, but there is a little window with bars to look in. Selvi, you would recognize this as a cooler area where you would store meats and stuff like that. So you can either just go through the, you know, lift up the bar and go through, or you can look through the window first. And look through. You see two bodies laying on the ground the one is just kind of like, no, not me, not, not me next, please. Whispering, muttering to itself. Further in the corner, someone's just like laying on their side and it looks like there's bite marks all along their the back of their neck and their back. This one seems to be a dwarf, older, graying, salt and pepper hair and a beard, but they're faced away from the door. It's my friend Clyde. Oh, it it could be. Uh, do you want to go inside? Um, yeah, I'll I'll tentatively open the door. As you slowly open the door, Stacy comes and lifts the other side with you, and she's like, "What? What you see in that?" There's, I think, I think there's some survivors. Oh, good. Oh, thank, thank Thessala. Something good will come from all of this. The door opens. You guys come inside, and the 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 one that was in the fetal position, he just kind of like jumps at you, and he's just, we get saying, "No, please, please, no, no, not me next." <laughs> Grubs at his eyes a little bit when he notices you aren't just like picking him up and dragging him out, and he's like, "What, Stacy?" <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, yeah." Oh, you're one of the loggers. Hi, we're, we're adventurers, and we are here to help you. <laughs> Selby's just, like, good job, Steve. Thanks. <laughs> um, what's your name? And he's like, Isaac. Isaac. Oh, it was Warren. What? What, what happened to Warren? Um, Warren has passed. <laughs> so sorry. Um but but we saved you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. And he just kind of like curls up in a ball. Stacy kind of tends to him and she says, "Look, we're going to have so many drinks when we get back to the camp. It's going to be okay. I'm I'm so sorry, but it's over." And so Selvi, do you want to go to the dwarven figure? Yeah, he hasn't moved at all? No. Okay, can I walk around to see his face? Yeah, I mean, it's facing the wall, so you'd actually have to turn his shoulder a little bit just to see it. Okay. I mean, I've seen horror movies. I don't know if you want to do that. I mean, but he's my friend. <laughs> he's your friend. He's Clyde. You do that, and he looks 
gaunt. Dwarves are very stout, but his face just looks very bony. His cheekbones are protruding. His eyes are sunken in. And when you kind of shake him awake, he's like, Get it over with. Clyde, Clyde, it's me. It's Selvi. Oh, that's not the name I've heard in a long, at least two weeks that I've been here. <laughs> <laughs> and his eyes kind of flutter a little bit more. And it's Selvi, it couldn't be. No, what are you? They got you too. No, no, God. <laughs> I just imagine Sylvie laughing at him. <laughs> no, you silly bitch. It's me. It's just Andrew's face. Okay. <laughs> you can't look at my face. You have to imagine Clyde. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Clyde, no, no, we've saved you. Me and Anatola have been looking for you. She, she's all right. Yes, Anna told, Anna's fine. She's oh, fine. She'll be so happy to see you. That is a relief. I am very weak, though. Here, I have something for that. Um, let me let me take These a look. These not your mushrooms. No, Clyde, Clyde. I don't think I have the strength to survive Mm-mm. another trip like no, that. No, no. This will just cal- this will just calm you, da- fortify you, really. Oh, oh, yes. They, those creatures. Of, they f- would feed off of me, bring me down to m- the very weakest, and then wait, wait until oh, <laughs> they would come back. And he's kind of like reaching for his shoulder where you see these bite marks in. Uh, you, you see, he has not been transformed himself into a vampire. It seems like they were keeping him as some kind of sick uh, blood uh, Blood mm-hmm. bank, exactly. Can I cure wounds him? Yeah, absolutely. After the first or second time, you can see the life revigorate in his eyes, and he says, Oh, thank you so much, Selvi. I think I have enough strength to stand. And you help him up, and he's like, I think I'd like to see home now. Let us ride. You guys kind of gather the last of your things, pick up your bags, head outside, unhitch your horses, and make the half-mile ride south toward the hidden inlet where her and Cass had originally harbored the Valorous Scoundrel. So after many, many days, you all see your ship here amongst the brush. I want to give Quarter an apple. Aww. Cute. Yeah, I gathered a bag like before we left of just food from from the tavern and everything, and Jill's fish and chips. Nice. Mm-hmm. Did we meet Jill? Yeah, she's a salty dog for mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> salty dog. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm feeding Tolka all kinds of stuff, just fruit on fruit on fruit. My horse is very important to me, and I'll never forget his name. <laughs> mm, yes. I think we've had two different names for your horse, so you may as well make a third of one. Yeah, the now. last one we decided on was Scrappy because yeah. we couldn't remember. It was it. something it was like Scrappy Doo, yeah. and now what is it? Scron? Scrondo? Scrawny. Scrondo. Scrondo. Flip, flip, flippy. Flippy. I'd like to think no, that no. that's just worry. Flip, flip, flippy. Flip, flip, flippy. Oh, oh, wow. You have to say all three. Okay. He didn't. He literally didn't stutter. Yeah. <laughs> flippy. 
Did I stutter? No. That's his name. Flip, flip, flip. You guys all board the Valorous Scoundrel once more with your horses. So Henry is actually on the Valorous Scoundrel. Oh, wow. um, she has been waiting here guarding the ship and uh, welcomes you back on. Hello, everybody. Henry, good to see you. Hey, hey, finger guns, finger guns. Ah, bam, bam. Gotcha, telling us. Oh, that one was a magic bullet. Gotcha. <laughs> no, I'm dead. <laughs> so looks like we're headed to Penton, right? That looks like it, yeah. Yeah, yeah Penton. I've got to meet somebody. Uh, Same. At um, the lighthouse. Some lighthouse. Hmm. By myself. Sounds, I mean, I'm not going by myself. <laughs> sounds but pretty I'm cool. Supposed to. We'll put a bug in his ear. Right. It'll be gross, but whatever. <laughs> Prank. As was uh, kind of stated earlier, the routes around Trayland have gotten a bit more dangerous as of late, unfortunately. So we have a few options here. The quickest route is to go through the shallows or north above Norholm. But that would have us going through the King Sound and past Octocrag, so that could be pretty dangerous. Mm. Uh, the longest route, but the most safest, is to go south around Sutland. So yeah. uh, follow the coast down, swing past uh, Ben Ness, go back past Lakewood, where you all were just a few, a handful of days ago, and uh, go up the uh, western side of Sutland up to so it's it's kind of up to you all. My obvious request after how some of our previous engagements have gone would be going past Sutland, but I understand that time is of the essence as well. So you're saying there's a long and safe route or a short and dangerous route. Mm-hmm. If only there was a long and dangerous route and a short and safe route, then the choice would be much more clear. Right. It I- would be, but, uh, you know, what makes a good story other than conflict? <laughs> Well, if that that being the case, I say the short and dangerous route. I, yeah, I like to take routes that could describe me. Mm-hmm. Short and dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> you think we'll be more lucky this time with our battles on the seas? Uh, no, I do not. <laughs> mm, yes. That's a good point. But we've got Henry Luck with us this time. Well, we had her last time. It didn't work out so well. Well, I'll at least stand in for, uh, looks like Carloon's missing. Yeah, we don't know where he is. <laughs> no, we, no, we definitely do know where he's at. Oh, do we? Yes. Okay. He told us. <laughs> anyway. In writing. <laughs> um, all right, well, if it's your ship, if you would prefer to go south. This is actually your ship. I mean, uh, this okay. is our ship. It's not your ship, but. But you're the pirate queen. You're the pirate queen, so. Actually, with what happened with the sea dogs and uh, Jacquard, uh going missing, uh, my vote is actually for the going south and taking the longer and safer route. But I also understand if you guys outvote me. I wouldn't mind going the southern route as well. I, th- I feel like uh, with it being the King's Sound, there's bound to be many Navy ships just hanging around. I don't know that we'd be able to make it if we had to face off against the King's Navy. So perhaps the southern route is the better choice. All right. Yeah, I mean, it may not be as fun, but if you guys feel strongly about it, then let's do the long and short route. I mean, long and uh, safe route. Nice. So you guys go south. The sails come down, the black sails. You have your dragon skull head on the front of your beautiful ship and the dragon bone enmeshed with the sails. The wind picks up. You guys make it out of this inlet and into the King's Sound, but you head south on the coast of Sutland, keeping within eyesight of it, but far enough away so that those on the coast aren't actually picking up on your location. 
Now let's see, there's still a chance that you would run into at least one Navy ship, but during the two days that it takes to get to Penton going around this way, you don't see any Navy ships. You are able to evade them all or just happen to miss their routes of patrol. You do see, though, coming up from the west, you're able to look up at the sky, and the winds get a little bit chaotic halfway up Sutland. It looks like potentially a storm is roiling on the Chasm Sea to the west, moving its way toward Trayland. Do we know what is west of Trayland? Because I know what's east, but we have never explored west. No one has explored okay. west, yeah. Or if they have explored, they have yet to find anything. Gotcha. Okay. Well, it seems there's a storm a-brewing. So it would seem. Is that going to cause us problems? Probably. Might slow us down. The only thing I can think of is Asha meeting us in Penton. She might just hit a little bit of bad weather on the way in, but she was coming from the castle trying to go far north, so hopefully it won't be too bad. All right, well, nothing we can really do about the weather. Sutland begins to end, and you see the shallows there that split Sutland and Norholm, the most green island of the three Trailender Islands. Its lush foliage seems to spill out over the chasm sea that surrounds it, as if Norholm is one massive forest. From the sea, you enter an inlet, similar to Loch Nuvestris back in Varahim, the first place you pulled into port at Dunabur. But this is... Fainar Lake, which roughly translates to the Lake of Spirits in the Elvish tongue. Receiving its name after the Great Burning of 33 BP, when the armies of High Lord Victor slowly burned the Penton Forest, forcing the Elves and the Fauna further and further north during the War of the Three many years ago. Chief Elsafar of the Sandalwood Tribe had the Elves construct longships in this very lake. When they traveled to the southern end of Norholm, they flanked Victor's men against the very flames they'd created. His decision won back their land, but the fires were out of control and the forests were consumed. Only the monastery upon a hill and a few other fortunate buildings were spared. But unfortunately, at the time, for the most part, the elves had lost their homes. Since then, they have rebuilt and new tribes have sprung up. Hundreds of years prior to the War of the Three, though, a High Lord had a man named Thessla burned at the stake in Westwick, as we are all pretty knowledgeable of. But any and all followers and their written materials would face the same fate back then. Eight fortunate men and women escaped the cruelty of the High Lord at the time. They were led here to a remote and hidden place of beauty and wonder. They then built the Abbey of the Eight upon the hill, and later they would make a port here in Fainer Lake and name it after one of the followers who'd lost his life helping them escape, Adam. You, the rowdy boys, Sans Kalu, now look over the gray waters toward the humble settlement. Its thatched roofs and timber-framed buildings line the dock. As you sail closer, you notice a rundown lighthouse amongst the rocks all the way to the right of town. A road leads up the hill behind it, switchback style, all the way up to the city of Penton, the city upon a hill. Your ship docks to the amazement of the townsfolk. They've never quite seen a ship like it, let alone a dragon skull before. Your skeleton crew puts on their best act amongst the living. 
A few Order of the Flame Knights welcome your crew cautiously on the docks. And Brick kind of looks over to Telnius and says, Um, hey, this is more your domain. Do you mind taking the reins with this? Uh, yeah. Uh, what, what am I supposed to do? Oh, just uh, trying to grant us audience with Abbot Nissa. Oh, oh, yeah. You and him go way back. Right, right? totally. Yeah, <laughs> this should be fun. <laughs> okay, so Telnius, you step down the gangplank, you're the first, and then the rowdy boys, Henry and Brett, are kind of behind you, kind of mm-hmm. like, we got you, pal. I want to walk as legally as possible, head high, mm-hmm. nose up. Hammer out. Hammer out. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you approach the two knights, and the one on the right comes forward and says, uh, hello, state your business in Adam's Port. We demand audience. Maybe not demand. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) He just starts squinting. Uh, We would like audience with Abbot Nissa. Thank you so much, Salvi. I think I have enough strength to stand. I think I'd like to see home now. I give him some nuts and things to give him a little more energy and I I give him a hug and I rub his back it's gonna be okay Clyde we're gonna get you home yeah yeah and maybe you like hand over your cloak for him to wear yeah I can do that (laughs) he's shirtless Uh. it's cold (laughs) uh yeah you all start coming out and Kaloon, you're there for the few minutes that this was going on, but finally you hear footsteps coming out just as Janessa and Cass are getting the horses up to the cave entrance. You see them kind of come to the cave entrance. Maybe you don't see them, but you hear them. And then you hear footsteps coming out of the tunnels from deeper in. I actually, I grab one of the blankets in the room and I, the, the man laying down with a shield and a sword, that's just a, that's just a skeleton, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So I take the bones of that skeleton and pile it into the blanket and then, uh, yeah, tie up the blanket and put it on the back of my horse. So you all meet outside and Cass says, oh, these, these two, they, they need help. A lot of help. We need to get them back to town. Uh, Selvi, do you think you can make the ride back to Broken Harbor tonight? Yes. Mm-hmm. Carrot sees um, Clyde and nuzzles them. Stacy says, yeah, Isaac, you can get up onto my horse. Uh, you all, it's it's been an adventure, but I think I'm going to see this man back to the camp. I think, um, I think this is where we part ways. I, I believe we must, but we'll see each other again, I'm sure. I... I hope so. And Janessa kind of chimes in. She says, yeah, we've, we've got plenty plenty of, of ground to cover, but um, Stacy, if you're, if you're part of the resistors now, we'll, we'll be hearing from you, right? And she's like, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep the resistance strong in, in Broken Harbor. And uh, she gets Isaac onto her horse, and Selvi, you get Clyde on the back of... Um, Carrots. Carrots and <laughs> sorry, and <laughs> all these names. trot. I'm literally I'm doing like 
speed thinking in my brain as as we go. Um, <laughs> speed thinking in my brain. Because <laughs> I'm just thinking about Clyde being on the back of carrots and then Selvi also riding carrots, and that just seems so ridiculous. It's not gonna. I mean, yeah, Selvi so, can like walk by, by that, with them. Yeah, so that you need to get out of Deadwood is what is happening here. So Cass says, "Here, Selvi." Take my horse, and I'll I'll ride with Janessa on Twilight there. And Janessa nods her head. So, Selvi, you have carrots. Stacy is loading Isaac onto the horse. And as you guys start leading your horses out to leave, Cass says, All right, y'all, from, from here, Janessa, Kaloon, and myself, we will continue to find this uh, altar. I have a feeling it is very close by, based on the amount of fiends that are coming out of this forest. Selvi, Stacy, thank you so much for your service and uh, ride swift. Thank you so much, Kaz. Um, thank you for the horse. Janessa, mm-hmm. I kind of go up to Janessa and, and rub her on the back and say, you're going to find what you're looking for. I'll be thinking about you. I hope so. I I'm not sure what exactly it is I want to find, but if it helps all that's going on, it'll be worth something. Mm-hmm. I, I believe in you, Janessa. Thanks, Selvi. <laughs> Look, uh, save, save, a, save a beer for me. Of course. You know I always do. Uh, you know what? I'll make my next batch a Janessa special. Sounds perfect. If there's nothing else to live for, it's for another special home brew of Selvi's special beer. I'll take it. And Kaloon, it was so nice. You know what? It was so nice to meet you. Uh, it was a pleasure, Selvi. Yeah, you are You are a great fighter. I enjoyed um, my travels with you. Oh, well, I, I appreciate it. And he starts, starts getting a little red. He's a ginger <laughs> like me, so, you know, he... It gets red very easy. <laughs> Janessa's like, Selvi, you're acting like we just crossed the Rainbow Bridge. <laughs> we just brought down fucking vampires and demons. Yeah, that wasn't... I mean, they're dead now, so... And we found Clyde, so... Are I you, mean, still, are you still processing a lot of things right now? I don't... Processing? I don't really do that. <laughs> Finger guns, Janessa gives. That's right. Forgot about that. Look, Selvi, and she comes in for a big bear hug. Selby's like, yes, I finally got physical contact with Janessa. <laughs> she's accepted my affection. <laughs> yeah, this is like one of the biggest hugs she's given you. It seems like definitely the events of the night have, have stirred her. Yeah, Selby's not letting her go. <laughs> okay, so as Selby and Janessa are embracing before she rides off, Stacy kind of goes <laughs> and makes sure Isaac is okay and all that kind of stuff uh-huh. and comes up. She gives a little nod to Kal Un and she says, Do- do you mind if we talk for a little bit just over here? Uh, I, sure. You, and uh, as you guys walk further away, you're about 10, 15 feet away from the rest of the group as they're all kind of just saying their goodbyes and all that. She says, you okay? You look kind of shaken up after all that. I mean, I am too. It's not a judgment thing. No, um, yeah, no, I'm glad you're, uh, glad you're still alive. That was, that was pretty dicey in there. No, I'm I'm fine. I just need a a long rest, some would say. <laughs> yeah, I I cannot wait to 
to get back in my bed tonight. This adventuring is... It can be fun, but it can also be very terrifying. Yeah, no, mostly it's terrifying. And exhausting. Yeah, the fun part is being able to tell people about it afterwards, but during, no. Yeah, the stories will be fantastic. The immediately after, I didn't realize the trauma was going to be that strong. Yeah, it sets in pretty quick, and then you just have to, like, deal with it over time. Well, it was worth it to play again with the master, Kowloon. Aye, well, (laughs) I learned from the best, Master Stacy. (laughs) Sounds weird coming from you. (laughs) <laughs> I, well, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've grown since we've last met. And Colin kind of like preens a little bit and puffs out his chest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I um, I have noticed. And her face goes a little dour, actually. As if like, just like a wave of, like, she becomes suddenly like uncomfortable and serious. Is everything Okay. I, um, she tears up and she says, you're right, you, you have grown a lot. I could see that. You care very much for the people around you. Um, but you, it wasn't always that way, you know. I've... I've always cared for you. Hold on. What what are you getting at? I just mean you tend to dive into the next thing. I look, things obviously were different back when we were traveling around. And there was a lot of stuff I felt like I felt like you needed to take responsibility for, but and oh god, this is not coming out right. Look, you're headed to Penton, correct? I we're making a quick pit stop by the orcs, but I would be heading to Penton. I just I wouldn't feel right not telling you at this point. There's something that you deserve to know. Okay. There's an orphanage at the Abbey. That makes sense. Yeah, when you get there, um, you should ask for a boy named Calvin there and she just like the tears that were kind of forming they just start falling down her face and she begins to look away and wipe at her face Stacy I need you to say it straight for me you want me to ask for a boy named Kelvin what exactly am I going to see Do do I really have to spell it out for you? I think you must. The reason 
I broke things off with you those years ago. And the reason I left was because I was pregnant and I knew I knew you'd want to be a father but I nor you were ready for that and I know how stubborn you are and like tears are still pouring as she's saying this I know you would have never budged and I had to leave I went to the sisters at the Abbey of the Eight, and after he was born, I left. I and you didn't. Before you say anything, I, I thought for a long time about it. It was the right decision for me, and the only thing I'm sorry about was that I did not tell you. There has been a boy living without parents for, what's it been, six years? Seven? Six six years, I believe. And you did no think? I had a right to know. I think you had the right, obviously, but at the time, you were you were moving on to new things. You no, wanted to go to that's the college. Your uncle was going enough, to... Enough, Stacy. I know what happened back then. Or rather, I know what happened to me back then. But I cannot do this with you right now. I've got important things I must do. And then, I must go make preparations and plans to take care of my boy. We may see each other again. But right now, I can't see you. Stay safe. And goodbye. And Kowloon turns and walks away. He doesn't say anything to Cass, but he grabs... Bartholomew's uh, reins and hands them to Cass and then Cass polymorph and turns himself into a wolf and just leads them toward the altar. Alright, um, and looks like you just got seated. Can I get you any... Oh! Jenna, you're still here? Yeah, I've been here. Oh, um, well, can I get you anything, I suppose? Yeah, um, I don't know. Like, Taylor ditched me. He's hanging out with some... I don't know what's going on over there at that table. And Andrew is literally still in the toilet. Um, story of his life. But anyway, I don't know. What do you have? Can you, can you like, tell me what's on your menu? Well, actually, we have a new secret menu. Maybe, uh, maybe that'll cheer you up. Ooh. Well, up first, I've got a new dish called uh, Andrew as DM, the Diner Delicatessen. We have the Taylor as Ayas new Sprite Salad. 
the Colin as Colun cave mushroom stir fry, a personal favorite, Brad as Roy ribeye steak, and special guest Jenna Altstadt as Selvi soup du jour. That one's really calling your name. I don't know. That Sprite salad sounds very Midwest. <laughs> I might have to go in that one. Well, well, just wait. I've got more. We've got the Alex Sound Design Duck Dumplings, the Sam theme song Three Cheese Pizza, and the special thanks to Ivan Dutch composer Campari. Very eclectic menu. Yes, of course, but you can find all these secret menu items at patreon.com slash chasmquest. And we have some new and increasing chefs helping support our kitchen of friendship. Thank you so much to Alex, Gabby, Ray, Megan, and Steven. Welcome to our crew, and thank you to those who increased your giving. Okay, well, after that very eclectic cheesecake factory style menu, I think I'm going to go with just some classic dessert and coffee. Um, I do want to try that new face to brew from Found Familiar. That sounds good. And Cheesecake Factory, is that that new industrial place down the road that literally they just make cheesecakes? Do you know what a cheesecake is? Um, I I don't know. Uh, Anyway, but um, yeah, I can get you that coffee. Uh, It sounds great. I'll definitely need to order some more beans from Found Familia, and I can find those at foundfamilia.com. And of course, I'm going to use the promo code STAYROWDY, all one word, for 10% off my purchase. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, speaking of Faye, wasn't your friend at the bar just talking to a fairy or something? I I think he just disappeared. Yeah, what the hell? Hey, hey, I'm back, and and look who I found. Hi, hi, everyone. Sorry, Jenna. You know, I just got, I got a little caught up, um, but I saved this really cute puppy from a horrible manticore creature. Don't worry about that. It is gone. But we got this new puppy. Yeah, he's super cute and fluffy. <laughs> well, I'm just glad you're okay. Both Selvi and Andrew. Andrew, you were, this is like a record. You were gone way too long. There's a, there's a whole story. There was someone there and they jumped me, but I still... Everything came out okay. Well, that's good to know, I guess. Everything came out okay. Um, Sylvia, are you ready to go show me that new hidey hole? Oh, yes, I would love to. Um, I've got a new brew recipe I stored there. Uh, it's a fall, a fall brew. You know, some pine needles in it. It's really, really good. Hey, um, Jenna, where did Taylor go? Oh, I guess I'm like, oh, I don't know the term Faye picks. I'm not sure what she prefers. Um, Pulled him through a portal at the bar, I guess. He's gone. Not again. Well, speaking of portals, that reminds me of our new giveaway sponsor, Obsidian Portal. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ChasmQuest to enter those future giveaways. Let's hear what they're all about. Say hello to your new Game Master's Notebook with Obsidian Portal. Obsidian Portal takes the pain out of managing your tabletop RPG with services like the ability to create a campaign wiki, character tracking, adventure logs, 
and a built-in scheduler so you never miss another session. Sign up today for a basic account for free, or for just $5.99 a month, you can upgrade to an Ascendant membership and get extra storage, more maps, and other great bonuses. Obsidian Portal works for any game system and any campaign setting, so unlock your campaign's potential today by joining over 100,000 gamers at obsidianportal.com. That's O-B-S-I-D-I-A-N portal.com. Get your game back on track with Obsidian Portal today. We would like audience with Abbott Nissa. I turn and look at the crew, like our our uh, I say, yeah, boys, we do. And I like nod, like yeah, yeah <laughs> killing it, right? Guys? Rory tries his best to be reassuring. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Roll me a persuasion. Right. This is where it, it comes at, through at clutch. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, I get I get pretty solid thing to that. So I've All been right. working on it for many years. Persuasion. Get pretty solid thing on that, guys. I'm persuasive, right? <laughs> right, you said I was yeah. persuasive. Seventeen, nice. I need to hear you say I'm persuasive. <laughs> <laughs> Due to recent happenings, there's been a soft lockdown on Penton. I will have to escort you, and uh, I'll have to have you wait for a moment at the Abbey before speaking with him, if you do not mind, sir. No, not at all. I'd, I'd be happy to wait. And he says, "I see you are." A of the vestments of the Order of Thesla. Yes, I actually am bishop. Hmm. Okay. What, uh, how do you mean? Uh, well, how about, I'll talk to, uh, Nissa. And he is, yeah, he rolls a perception and he sees the hammer attached to your right arm and says, okay, I think... I think Nissa might want to see you as soon as possible. And they begin to escort you through the town. Imagine walking into just your local Catholic church and being like, oh, I'm the Pope. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what you just said. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone give me perception checks as you walk through Adam's Port. Yes. <laughs> Except for color. Dang it. <laughs> I am very distracted. <laughs> Same. Five. Nice. Fifteen. Ooh, fifteen's just enough. Rory, you over here, there's a storyteller gathered with some of the townsfolk, and they're retelling a tale that you're actually kind of familiar with. You hear someone's voice go over the small crowd that is gathered, and you see a figure dressed in a cloak of rags and a cloak pulled over their face, and they're making mystical hand motions, and they say... The wilderness folk took Colum deep into the forest, hung him on a tree, made desecrated sacrifices before the demonic gods. Then they used hooks as big as your head in the shape of eagle's talons and one by one drove the hooks into the chest. Ropes tethered to horses were slowly pulled taut until his flesh and bone were severed by the hooks. In his last moments... He alone betrayed by Lady Raina. He cried out to Thesla, Light shall pierce the darkness. And you hear the crowd gasp and draw back away from this storyteller. And they begin to clap as he takes a bow and throw coins. How does this guy know that? Does the crowd seem 
Like, they think the death of Colin was tragic. Like, they were responding like, oh, that was an awful thing that happened. Yeah, they, they were gasping, and then they were applauding with how good the performance was. Okay. I mean, did you hear how I just read that? <laughs> <laughs> and I turned to Roy, I'm like, what a load of shit, huh? <laughs> Uh, you didn't hear. I was any just of that. gonna say, yeah, <laughs> that's true. I did. You yeah. just heard like abba dabba yabba yeah. <laughs> no, he's actually pointing to a load of shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> look, look at that. Hey, step around that. Oh, thanks for pointing that out. By the way, did you guys hear what that storyteller was talking about back there? No, no. What happened? What, and what I kind of tell him. I tell yeah, him what yeah. I saw. And you respond in this way. Well, how on earth? Did that storyteller know that? Yeah, who brought that back here? That's crazy. I don't know. Also, they got kind of the ending part wrong, didn't they? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, didn't he like cry like a little baby. like a weakling? Yeah, yeah, he definitely did. He also did declare me bishop at mm, that point. Yeah, true. They didn't say anything about that. Yeah, see, that's let's go back and tell him. Okay. What I you- walk back and say, This is the bishop. <laughs> um, when you go and do that, there's literally only the crowd there. The storyteller has gone. He's taken his hat, and he is no longer amongst the crowd. So I just, uh, does anybody in the crowd look, like, more official than anybody else? Mm-mm. They look like peasant folk amongst Adamsport. Who, who told the story? Did you get a good look at him? Uh, I address the crowd, and I say, hey, <laughs> who, was the, who was the guy who was just telling the story? Any of you have any information on him? Uh, we can make it worth your while. <laughs> okay, uh, roll a just persuasion <laughs> check. And I, I say, yeah. <laughs> so I can help him. Not this time. <laughs> that's a that's a nine. Nice. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, the crowd kind of disperses, and they just kind of give you weird looks, and they're like, it's a new storyteller coming to town. Uh, no one knows his name. He goes about telling stories of the new lands. He doesn't even have a thing they call him? Mm-mm. Storyteller, probably. Storyteller. Probably. Where does he typically show up? Just here or like other places? Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll see a crowd gathered and then we'll know. Oh, he's back, but he's only been here for a couple of days. Mm. Okay. Peculiar. Any other information you can share with us? Uh, you look great. Nice. Okay, <laughs> I like that. That's you've been right. working out. Always. <laughs> I go up to the stage and I look for like tracks behind the stage. No, no stage at all. It was just uh, cobblestone. He was just, just doing it in the in the midst of the the kind of town that's set up here. So roll me a survival check. Ooh, wait a minute. That's for tracking. Survival oh, is okay. used for tracking. <laughs> you roll a death save. You've been stabbed in the it's neck. It's just a normal street. Nothing's amiss. And how do you die? <laughs> 18. 18. You do see tracks go around the back corner, but after six paces behind this building, those tracks disappear into thin air. Look mm. again. There are still no tracks. <laughs> Looks like he went around the corner. I don't think we're going to find this guy. Guys. Is there any way you think that was Kowloon? I don't know. Kowloon likes to tell stories. He does. And he would know about those things. That's true. But he wouldn't lie about them, right? Yeah, he would. Britt's 30 paces up, and she's like, guys, guys, what are you doing? The knights, they're almost at the... All right, Okay, yeah, Yeah, we shuffle forward. (laughs) (laughs) Wait for me. (laughs) You guys catch up to the knight as he brings you up. Oh, I say... Be right there, babe. <laughs> and she goes red instantly and just goes around the corner that she had peered around from. Oh, gosh, she's like, you have to stop doing that. Doing what? That, nothing. Never mind. I. It's cool. 
Okay, I guess you're I cool. read that situation wrong. I thought you were proud to be. With no, me. you're 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 fine. I just I have to get used to it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. You know what I mean? All right. Yeah. We can continue on. We're like, not. We're not like Facebook officially. <laughs> Facebook. Yeah. You know the book with everyone's faces. In. <laughs> and you write whether or not you're in a relationship. That sounds awful. I hope my face isn't in there. Is yeah. my face in that book? Oh, you put both of your faces are in this book. Carnos has the Shit. book of faces <laughs> <laughs> that he writes every existence in. Sounds uh, like something my dad would use. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard if you show emotion around the book, it'll steal your face. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's uh, that's true. Avatar: The Last Airbender. Yeah. <laughs> thanks. For, thanks for ruining the reference. <laughs> As you ascend the hill, the sight of Adam's port and your docked ship become smaller and smaller. The last switchback brings you to a set of gates you see as the officer or the knight in front of you calls up to the man at the watchtower, and the large gates begin to open, allowing you to enter the city of Penton. As you heard, it is on a soft lockdown, while the Abbey is on a more harsher lockdown due to the recent happenings in Westwick. So it is well guarded by Flame Order Knights who are still loyal to Nyssa here in Penton. The king and newly appointed bishop, Dristin, newly appointed in quotation marks, are not trusted here. The city is larger than Lakewood and Broken Harbor combined, and a similar size to Kaldosh, the Silvervane orc capital that you all traveled through. The buildings are a mixture of timber and stone. Even some gothic towers break through from the most recent structures. To the northmost end of the city, you see the walls, spires, and bell tower of the Abbey of the Eights. You make your way past the market square, and you come to the double door gates. They have infinity symbols making a cross on each door, all encompassed in a circle. They are then opened by the Order of the Flames gate guards. Inside of this walled-in area, this abbey, Telnius, you're very familiar with this layout, but I'll describe it for our listeners and the rest of the RBs. Rowdy boys. <laughs> The Ruth Baders. <laughs> <laughs> Inside, a statue of Thessla stands 20 feet tall with his book of revelations in one hand and another extended out, inviting you into the courtyard. His large stone beard is aimed toward the sky and his smile greets you as you pass through the gates. There's a large stone structure to the left, labeled Refectory and Common Grounds. Telnius, you know that this is where those of the acolytes who are working to become clerics are stationed. Okay. And was this what I uh, imagined in my dream? And the refectory where you yeah. would gather for communal eating is the location of your dream. To the right, you behold a magnificent chapel with spires reaching toward the heavens. The stained glass windows are set in contrast to the stonework and tell the stories of the church. At the Fountain of Effervescence in the middle of the courtyard, there are black-robed nuns watching over the children as they play, splashing each other, then splashing the sister that scolded them for splashing. <laughs> the two run off laughing as she chases them. One of them is a bit shorter and stockier than the rest and has bright red hair blowing in the wind. The other is a tall half-elf with blonde hair, a few years older. She easily outpaces the redhead. 
Telnius, you would recognize these as orphans who live amongst the Abbey of the Eights. You pass through the rest of the yard toward the cloisters at the northern end of the Abbey. It is connected to a bell tower to the right of it. On your left, before entering, you see a timber building labeled Orphanage and School. Walking amongst the Abbey are other clerics and acolytes. Many stop and gawk at Telnius as he passes by, either with faces of wonder or faces of recognition. A few wave to you and smile as you pass. I wave with my hammer hand. (laughs) And they're just like waving but nodding and still a little bit confused. They see you're with a larger group, so they obviously don't approach and watch you walk on. You reach the cloisters at the northernmost end of the abbey, which are a series of pillars that create a labyrinthine feel. The pillars are like freestanding flying buttresses, and a green garden grows amongst the stone structures. At the center, you see eight waist-high pillars with inscriptions at the top, all lined up in a circle. At the center, a man kneels before a greatsword stuck into the earth like a monolith. His white cape billows out with the wind. He hears the footsteps and rises. He is a man well into his sixties with long white hair and beard. He stands in plate armor, grabbing the sword, digging it out from the earth. You see the hilt adorned with wings. He uses his cape to wipe the dirt and sheathes it at his hip as he approaches. This is Sir Abbot Nyssa, wielding the Holy Avenger. I've heard many stories of the Usurper King, but in all honesty, Brother Telnius, I'm just glad to see you here again. Nissa, it is good to see you. I, uh, give him a, embrace him. Yeah, he claps your back three times. Boy, it has been quite a journey. How have you been? How long has it been since we've seen each other? Two, three years? It has been at least a year. I believe I saw you. Weren't you here for the, the festival? Oh, The yes. High Tide Festival. That's right, that's right. Before shipping off. But yes, yeah, since then, a lot has happened. We'll get introductions yes. oh. in a moment, but um, your hammer, how did you get that? Deep in Deadwood, back in Sutland, at an unknown hour of the night, a small group follows the tracks through the rotwood and mire. Janessa, the half-orc with black leather armor and French braided hair, rides atop her horse Twilight. She is beside Cass, the hunter, with a large-brimmed hat and immaculate nails. He bears a torch, since he is the only human amongst them. Midnight, Janessa's dusk wolf follows a few paces back, watching the wilderness for any sudden movements. At the front of the group, a dire wolf, with a rusty coat, pads dutifully in search of the mysterious altar that lays within the midst of this blighted forest. Janessa leans and whispers from her horse, He's... he's been a wolf for like almost an hour. You think he's okay? And Cash shrugs, I don't don't know, there's really no telling. You have the most experience with wolves. And Janessa just kind of shrugs and slaps his arm a little bit. (laughs) After following footprints for a few hours, I actually need Colleen you to make me a constitution saving throw in your wolf form. 16. If it had been me, it had been 15. 
<laughs> good thing you're not a wolf yeah, in the middle of Deadwood. That's good to know, bud. Yep. I'd like to know that. Since it is halfway through the night, this is you basically fighting off a level of exhaustion. Okay. But thankfully you do not succumb to it. After tracking through the night, you come through a break in the trees, a sudden bald spot amongst the dead foliage. The ground is caked with black mud and an eerie mist moves silently through the trees. In the middle stands the great obsidian slab that you have been searching for. Give me a perception check. 17. 17. You notice that the great slab is almost more in the shape of an anvil, but much larger than what a normal blacksmith would use. Okay. As I approach it, I turn back into just calling and I'm... Surrounding it with your perception check, you do see pieces of obsidian shell reminding you of that night when the orcs began that transformation after they had gone down and had gone into that obsidian cocoon. Janessa, Cass, come look at this. They uh, get off their horses and come meet you. And I show them the obsidian shell and it's like, this looks like those, what those orcs were, uh, were covered in. That... Didn't Telnius also say something about something being brought here in his vision in a cocoon? Oh, I, yeah, he did. <sighs> I'd forgotten about that. This could be more recent than what we were anticipating. Well, you two are both better than me, but I'll have a look myself, but let's see if we can find any tracks leading away from here. Janessa and Cass will make survival checks. What is a 19 for Colin? Nice. The tracks that you had been following to get here did have drag marks. It looks like over a course of days, many things have been dragged here and not dragged away. Cass also recognizes this with you, but Janessa, you can see, is getting a little emotional looking at the altar, and she says, it, It's more dull than I would have expected. It's just strange to think my own parents were a part of some demonic cult. Feels almost repulsive that they would leave me here in this forest. Well, believe it or not, I may know how you feel. You see that bag tied to my horse? Yeah, I've been wondering about that. Did you find something back at the cave? I, I believe so. I've recently come to suspect that my my dad, who I never knew, and my mother, who I would have never suspected, were part of the same cult. I believe that bag contains the bones of my father. Janessa's eyes go wide and she looks down and she says, I... I'm, I'm sorry. And she, like, for the first time comes and gives you a side hug. Yeah, Kowloon gives her a, a side hug back, but he's not like, he's just kind of still out of it. He's not like as tall as she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Uh, Cass kind of... Butt hug. <laughs> Cass finishes one of his cigarettes and puts it out. As he, he gets up from just looking at tracks, he turns around and says, uh, well, faith either makes people do wonderful, awe-inspiring things, or terrible Sometimes traumatizing horrors. Amen. <laughs> Kill him. <laughs> what is it? Uh, all right. Well, enough with the sappy stuff. Let's get on with it. Um, 
Is there anything else we need to do around this altar? As you say that, your ring, the heart of the mountain, hums and begins holding you toward the altar. I don't let it because that kind of freaks me out a bit and I've already had magically magical things try to control me in the past so I just firmly keep my hand of course uh, beside me give me a wisdom check then looks like I'm going to the altar probably <laughs> <laughs> going to the altar as I With went Stacey? down to the altar to pray <laughs> that's a seven as much as you fight it you feel yourself step by step leading closer and closer to the altar anvil what have you. On this side, you suddenly see script appear as your ring hovers over it. You don't touch it quite yet, but just being near it within five feet. Go ahead and roll me an arcana check. Good thing I'm a bard. Bardicle. That's 11. You actually hear voices come from your ring. It is the voice of Nox, and he says, hey, maybe we could offer some help. Hold the ring a little closer to the text. I and I, I do that. This is strange stuff. It's almost like ancient dwarvish mixed with orcish script. Who would write in such a way? Fidelma says. Your hand on its own with the ruby and the silver veins like glowing still, moving over the script. And Nox says, this white script, as much as I can make out, seems to say I split the heartstone and create them both to honor the mountains. Hey, there, it's on the other side too. Do you move willingly to the other side? I do as long as it's not trying to pull me in the direction. Yeah, no, it's not. Okay. Yeah, yes. Fidelma just notices a re- like a red glow coming from that side. So on this side, it was white script that appeared, almost like runes. And then on the opposite side, a red glowing script. And Fidelma reads out, Ah, I got this one. Their separation was the beginning of their annihilation. You mean annihilation? <laughs> I, I said an I, I, I annihilation. Flip, flip, flippy. I'm pretty sure you said annihilation. Annihilation. (laughs) As you're arguing this over, uh, Cass says, Hey, Khaldun, behind you. You begin to turn around and hear a voice. Now, it's a form of orcish, which you can now understand with Mm -hmm. the heart of the mountain. But coming from the north, out of the mist, a voice cries out. You've done it for us. You watch as a massive demon steps out from the woods. He was once orcish, but something entirely otherworldly now. His massive horns and spikes protrude from his head and his insane muscles. He is dragging the largest, most chaotic great axe you've ever seen. It looks more like a giant's cleaver than an axe. His right eye glows red, and his left eye glows white. My master, the Scion, has been seeking the Hearthstone. But you have brought it here. Suddenly, dozens of eyes glow around you. Janessa says, um, we've got a problem here. 
as she unrolls the leather that contains the stakes and holy water that you were given. Cass begins to reload his long arm rifle. He looks to you. You guys make eye contact. He says, Kaloom, take the lodge one. I look up at the demon and go, They must warn you. They've been having a bad day. Back in the midst of the labyrinthine cloisters, Rory, Britt, Ias, Henry, and Telnius begin their discussion with Nyssa. He has just asked Telnius, Um, that hammer there, how'd you get Thessalus justice? Well, uh, it's a long story, but, uh, basically, uh, Bishop Cullum was brutally murdered, or I should say executed, but before he was executed, he named me Bishop of Trayland and bequeathed me this hammer. Hmm. That would make sense as to why it never returned. Yeah. To Trayland. Okay. I do remember you going with him and talking with him, but I would have never imagined. I've heard word of his death, yeah, aye, but they have said nothing about you being named this bishop. Yeah, what? How how did you hear word of his death? Back in Westwick, word spread fast enough. Let's see who was on the ship. There was a Wilderfolk man, and Alistair had come back. Oh, okay. Alistair Popkin. And Alistair started spreading all kinds of stories about the Newlands and what was happening there. One of them being that Colum, eh, was dead. Interesting. Yeah, I'm. I'm just kind of surprised that the new interim bishop that was named the who they went with was uh, I believe is Dristane, right? Dristan. Dristan. Yeah. That's the king's brother. Drystane. Right, Drystane. No. <laughs> I I'm confused just because I just remember he was an acolyte that left the faith. I mean, you were sad that you lost your friend and companion, but I mean, most of the other clerics here said that he couldn't even light an incantation. That is true. And that is what is stoking most of my confusion. Well, uh, before we get too far into it, yes, yes. Who, who is here with you? If I may, these are my fellow rowdy boys, my bros at arms. This here is Ias. Hello. Ayas, Sinthor, champion of the Sandalwood Forest, not too far from here. Yeah, a pleasure to meet you. Yeah, he knows Bartom. Pretty cool. Pretty Very cool. I do. Uh, this here is Rory. Rory the Hammer Kilganen, Lil Ari Harbinger of Death. The That's numbers me. guy. The numbers guy. Yep, he's our numbers guy. Real buff, too. I don't know if you just saw. Show him. I open my shirt, <laughs> rip it open, and start flexing the eagle. There you go. That's him. That is a very nice trick. And, and go ahead. I was just going to say, I will vouch everything I have that Telnius he is telling the truth to you. He is truly the bishop. Same for me as well. Bishop Cullum, he decreed it. And the only one we're missing, we do have uh, two others in the Rowdy Boys. Uh, we are missing Kaloon. You may remember him. He left with us. Maybe you don't. I don't uh, know. The, the bard from uh, Octocrag. Octocrag, that's right, mm. yep. And then Commander Leon also uh, is a part of the mm. uh, Rowdy Boys, but he's he's oh, back. In, yes, uh, word definitely got back about uh, Commander Leon and Lady Reyna. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, they're... They're together now. They, Westwick is is been in just disarray uh, ever since all this news has come back. Yeah. 
What has the general consensus been about Leon and Reyna? Oh, Reyna, she's being painted the biggest traitor of of ever, of Traylon. I thought so. And uh, they're not painting Commander Leon in any better light. How are they painting the Rowdy Boys? They're saying most people on the ship that went into the Hollow Mountain were either lost or sold their souls, basically, to the enemy. When you say the enemy, who do you mean? Oh, the, the Vatican there. Okay, well, they're just regular people. Right. Well, he's not saying he believes that. He's right, saying right. most people are saying that. Oh, okay. I Wait, miss- do you believe that? No. Okay, yeah, oh, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, good, yeah. Good, good. Uh, we're, we're all friends, yeah. My, my hope was that Colum would be establishing some kind of church that would uh, at least respect the people there, but uh, from what I heard and how he responded, it didn't seem he was very kind-hearted toward the people there. No, no, definitely not. He was a... Creep. A little, little, little racist. A little bit racist. Hmm. Not good. Not good at all. Did you say a Wilderfolk person came back with Alistair? Yeah, they were kind of in a small band together, uh, saying that they had survived the worst of it. Never got the bloke's name. Hmm. Did he have red hair, by chance? I no. think they all have red Most of them most have red, red hair. Red, red, or blonde. But I, I never saw him or yeah. anything like that. Okay, but, gotcha. Yeah. All right, so, I mean... Tell me this is your boss now. Well, <laughs> and, and, and Lady Britt does step forward first real quick. She says, um, and of, of course, sorry, uh, Lady Britt, Thatcher of the Resistance Movement. And at that, he kind of steps back a bit and he looks to the three guys who have just introduced themselves and he's like, oh, yeah, is that what this is on about? Right. So, and who who is this as well? And <laughs> Captain Henry is also there, and she's like, "Oh, I, Captain Henry, of the Lock Islands, going to meet you. Also with Thatcher, if that means anything to you. It does. It does. Whoa, boy, we're really in the thick of it now. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. We hear that uh, Penton and the Abbey of the Eight here are kind of at odds with Bishop. Driston. Oh, just hearing that title with his name. Now, look, I've got a lot of sympathy toward Driston, but the way he's been behaving since he returned to Trayland has, has been alarming. Uh, but yes, we are. There's some drama, I suppose, that's come up. What's he done? Ah, uh, Driston. Ah. Uh, Drystain. You know, I, I knew Driston, uh, the king's brother, when he was here. Uh, we kind of grew up together. Of course, I went on to be cleric and was later nominated for abbot, but um, the bloke was 30 years old and still training with acolytes. It, it wore on him for quite some time. When he was about 30 years old, he left when his father found out that uh, he'd impregnated a local barmaid. They didn't get along, he and the father. Did it make sense why he'd go with him then, but I think there was some kind of bad blood there. Ever since returning to Westwick, he's been gaining crowds of the Westwick folk, gaining crowds of dissenters toward me. You know, the the recent drama, Aston's wild accusation, which I assure you aren't true. But as the Cardinal Bishop, it was my duty to act as spiritual advisor to the royal family, and Aston was twisting that in some odd way. But the people, they were feeding off the gossip. Of course they wanted to believe that the bishop was sleeping with the queen. It's an easy story to sell. 
at this point, I tell me a schism is inevitable. And as Driston has gained these groups of dissenters, uh, before I knew it, crowds of people were protesting at the steps of the burning cathedral. The city nearly broke out into a riot. The night Driston, well, word is that he resurrected his own father, an eagle. The one who had taken him away from here years ago. His father's an eagle? An eagle. I-N-I-G-O. It's just his name. Does that spell an eagle? (laughs) (laughs) Brett puts a hand on your shoulder. No. No, sweetie. (laughs) Does that spell an eagle? And and look, I know they didn't get along, so it, it didn't really make sense why... That would be the choice to resurrect, but it's kind of scary. He's preaching that we no longer burn the bodies of the deceased, which has been our tradition since the establishment of the abbey. And he puts a hand on one of the prayer stones surrounding this small circle. He's promising immortality with those who follow him, ushering in a new era for the church, some shite like that. But it's not natural. His power definitely is not coming from Tesla. Yeah, you saying that, I believe that he's referring to the power that the deity Karnas is able to give. But the thing is, in order to worship deity, they have to forego Tesla. Mm. I think he's trying to lead the church to worship Karnas. You said this man was resurrected? I... I mean, he was walking around and such. Did you see him? I didn't see him. Did you he, smell him? He did it. <laughs> no, I did not smell him either, but the story spread quick enough. He had done it amongst a group of some of the most loyal to him. Yeah, I, I'm concerned. Uh, one, because we're essentially talking about not worshipping Tesla anymore, which is fine. I mean, anyone can make their choice of their deity. That's fine. But obviously, the Church of Tesla probably ought to worship Tesla. Agreed, which is why a schism is at hand here. Right. Especially if they say they're worshipping Tesla, but really they're worshipping the opposite of Tesla. Right. You know, that's kind of deceptive to the people. Yeah. I, and then also, I just, I'm very apprehensive about any resurrected being. I, I'm just, I hope that they, like, I wonder if his father maintained his mental faculty. Does he still have... You know, agency, what is that life like? Well, the night that he was resurrected, that's when the riots nearly broke out at the burning cathedral. They wanted Mm. Driston as their bishop rather than me, some scandalous naysayer to this new power. So that's when I left and, well, the queen, she came with me. And she's been close to the Popkins for a long time. So... Perhaps she could help. Maybe we should retire and and speak with her for a bit. Is it true what they say? No, no. I, I've told you. She came to me at a, an emotionally distressful time. Ah, uh, and twisted it. Yeah, I... I see. I, I believe they were... Aston was utilizing it maybe to prop up his brother. I don't know. Uh, but Margaret, the queen, she was seeking solace from their relationship. I mean, how can you truly love someone you deeply fear? Well, um, I say the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Let's, uh, 
band together. Well, while that seems like it's not always true, we could go with it now. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Lady Brittany speaks up. Yes, uh, a stronghold here in Penton would be amiable to the resistors. And we would be able to aid you in protection from the king and his armies. Nisek scratches his beard a bit. Aye, that's true. Don't really think about that. I didn't think the lockdown would work forever. So yes, at some point we would need some kind of protection if we were trying to maintain the sanctity of the church. Let me think on it a bit more before giving a solid answer. Right. Let's make our way to the queen. I believe she would like to add to this conversation. Yes, lead the way. You guys start out the cloisters heading east. The cloisters all lead up to a smaller, just a two-by-two hallway, whereas the cloisters were making this large rectangle outlining the eight standing stones in the middle. They only came to waist high, though. Ias, as you're passing through that circle, you were standing out a little bit. Your emerald ring that you're now wearing hums while you're walking over this ground. As you step outside of the circle, Mm. that humming dissipates. I pause. I don't really say anything, but then I just step back a little bit and retrace my steps back to the circle. At the center, you feel it humming, but... Roll me a Knowledge Arcana. 17. Wow, nice. With a 17, you're able to surmise that you would need an amount of time meditating in order to really look into what is happening with this ring and this location. It's not just something that's going to quickly activate. So, you know, you're basically coming to this conclusion and instead of standing here for the next hour while everyone else has a conversation with the queen, (laughs) you're realizing like, oh, this is something I need to dedicate some time to. I just flip my hair back a little bit and I'm scratching the back of my head and I'm looking down at the circles. Interesting. And then I quicken my pace to catch up with everybody else. Nissa leads you all, and as he's heading toward what is the bell tower, standing many stories high, he turns back to Henry before opening the base door of the bell tower, and he says, Look, I have nothing against you, but a pirate right now in the audience of the queen, it might be best for everyone else to just speak with her first, because... Eh, The queen's a bit sensitive at the moment. Well, we're all pirates. Aye, but (laughs) Henry is the most outwardly pirate at the moment. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, it's true. And is pretty notorious, actually. She does have a peg leg and a pirate uh, parrot. She's like, oh, I forgot that was on. Famous for being bad, yes. Uh, Henry says, look, look. I get it. I I fucking get it. Look, I, I've needed a drink ever since we got in here. Here, I'll take all our bags and what? Uh, uh, I'll take them over to maybe that uh, refractory building. And Nissa says, uh, of course, yeah. And of course, you all are welcome to stay as long as needed uh, while gaining audience here. Uh, thank you, Henry. And Henry gathers your guys as just your packs and stuff like that to nice. take back to the uh, common grounds. You enter the bell tower at its base and begin to climb wooden steps, climbing up and up story by story until coming to a closed door at least four stories high. The abbot takes out a key and knocks eight times 
before unlocking it. Wow. Inside is a large room with ropes hanging from a piece of the roof that is cut out. They connect to the myriad of bells hanging another 60 feet above. The rest of the room has been transformed into a suite. An elegant trunk and bed stand in one corner and a writing desk in the other. There is a ladder at the end of the room leading up to a hatch in the ceiling. Queen Margaret, a woman just about to turn 50, sits at her desk and watches disconcertedly as this ragtag renegade group makes their way into her room. She is wearing a golden dress worth more than each of your wardrobes combined, and her black curled hair falls past her shoulders. There is one silver streak and a beauty mark just above her lips. She has thin lips and a perma-scowl. Queen Margaret, uh, may I present Lady Brittany Thatcher of Westwick, Rory Kilgannon. Oh, where are you from? I am from Denshire. Of Denshire, Iasin Thorn of the Sandalwood tribe, and Telnius Grey of, well, Penton. It's a pleasure, Queen, your highness. I. Yeah. I, I bow. Brittany's like waving and then like, oh, yeah. She's like remembering what it was like to <laughs> meet nobles or queens other than her. Margaret waves the group of you off and she stands up. Enough with your pomp and circumstance. I do not care their names or where they're from. And she slides the chair. It just makes the loudest noise as it creaks <laughs> under the desk. And as she finishes pushing it with like one last thud, she turns around. There is only one thing I wish to know. And she looks at you all dourly. Can you stop a king from destroying his own kingdom? Caller, you've just come to the altar. You've heard this sound cry out and you see this Tanaruk demon standing in front of you. So let's go ahead and roll a niche. I got a 23. Nice. Wow. Nice. Roll. Coming in clutch when it counts. Yeah. No, sorry. 21. Oh. <laughs> I was, nice. Yeah. Wow. I think I got Not good. That's that too lower. almost beats my 14. <laughs> <laughs> and it does. And it does beat. Yeah. <laughs> so you will get the first attack on this dude. He is standing 10 feet away, coming out of Deadwood, out of that tree line. And you've got the altar five feet behind you, about 10 feet behind the altar. More south is Janessa and Cass, and they're prepping to take on what seems to be those feral vampires coming out of the forest. First thing I do is cast Shatter on the handle of his axe. Is it made of wood? An axe made with a wooden handle. Okay. Uh, So I cast it as a third level spell. Can I have two more D8s, please? And just for reference, this is a picture of one of these dudes. Oh, oh my God. I'm the devil, I can do what I want. <laughs> and that thing's supposed to be like a cleaver thing? Yeah, like a Ooh. massive axe slash cleaver. Wow. 21 points of damage. Ooh, nice. Yeah, you break the shaft in hand. He can no longer use it two-handed. So he can only use it one-handed. And he will take, what, half the damage? He must make a constitution saving throw. Uh, 15 he needs to get. 
He did not make it. Oh, okay. wait. Oh, fuck. He did. His constitution is plus five. Oh, Holy wow. damn. <laughs> and I rolled a 10. Okay. So, yeah, he takes half damage. So, he, he takes 10 points of damage. Okay. That. And then I'm going to move 30 feet back and yell at him, come on now. I, I don't know. How, how, how should I insult this guy? Stinky boy. Come <laughs> Come on now, you great ugly klutz. Come at me. Call him a meanie. Yeah. Uh, he he takes he shakes off the damage from your shatter spell and holds the great axe with the one hand and readjusts, shakes it off, and begins to shamble toward you. His feet have grown to these like almost massive claws, horns spiking up from his kneecaps, from his elbows, just all over his body as he as he comes up to you. He's still gonna rush at you and get up to you and prepare that axe attack. Cass and Janessa, on their turns, they begin to take on the vampires and some of the dusk wolves that are coming out of the forest while you take on the big bad. Janessa throws the holy water like a bomb into the first crowd. It burns their flesh and stops them from coming through at that point. She then takes the rest of the holy water and begins to create a type of perimeter. From behind it, Cass will fire shot after shot, orcish vampires falling to the ground one by one. We'll come back to your turn, Kalu. I look at this demon that's now about 10 feet in front of me again, I uh, assume. Literally within melee range. Like, he's oh, preparing he's right to hit you with his axe. I, I look up at him and just scream at the top of my lungs <laughs> as I cast Thunder Wave. <laughs> Can I get three more D8s, please? And he must make... Constitution. Yeah, constitution saving throw. Same. He needs to get a 15. He did. He got a 17. Okay. Or 18, sorry. I rolled 13 plus 5. So that was 28. So that's 14 points of damage uh, to him. And I guess if there's... Are there any vampires around us within 20 feet? Mm -mm. Okay. They, They all seem to be focusing in and getting caught up at that holy water perimeter line. So it's really 1v1 right now with you and the demon. Okay. So I acrobatics behind him. Ooh, nice. Give me that roll. Just need to make his armor class. Oh, that was a bad move, Colin. <laughs> I did a bad thing. Oh, does a 12 hit? Oh, 14. So you're going to take that attack of opportunity. <gasps> okay. Before I know the results, I would like to add my Bardic Inspiration to my AC. Go for it. Uh, my AC right now is actually 24. Whoa, nice. So he swings his axe at you, uh, just bringing that one hand down. You are able to very slightly dodge this. Nice. What, what did you roll before you? Uh, I got a 17 total nice. with his Oh, that bonus. was my AC. Yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. so he would have hit. Nice. Yeah, uh, you land dead. behind him. It's almost like you're channeling the anger and frustration of this night into this battle. What else do you do? Okay, so as I go behind him, I'm running 30 feet that direction as well, just to kind of throw him off, you know, constantly have him, like, have to, because he's large, I want to make him make those those sharp turns and stuff like that. So. Perfect. All right, so we'll come back to his turn. He's going to rush up to you once more, and he's going to make his first attack with the axe. And you can tell that frustration is getting to him. Swings wildly at you with only a 14 to hit. Nice. So, yeah, I nimbly dodge out of the way. We'll come back to you. So I'm actually going to use my bonus action first and say, Riamaraisios, and give my last bardic inspiration to myself. Nice. 
and then I am going to attack him with Gylek. With Bardic Inspiration, my attack comes to an 18. Yeah, you definitely hit his AC. The larger blade of Gylek slashes across his chest. Uh, the muscles taut are broken and begin to bleed a black blood. Once you land that attack, he's going to use his reaction, Unbridled Fury. After being hit with a melee attack, he can make one melee attack with advantage back on. Whoa. Huh. Okay. <laughs> okay, he's going to leave the one behind, take the 15 plus 7 is 22 Dang. to hit. And he is going to do, do 13 points of damage. What are you going to do without your meat shield? <laughs> <laughs> When I fight creatures like this, I like to roll high enough to make sure I hit them. <laughs> Just give me some advice. Yeah, good, no good you, advice. You still no. have your second attack with uh, with the other end of Kyla. Is that a nat one? No. Oh, okay. Because... Oh, no, it is a nat one. It's, it's a nat one that yeah. will end your turn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Should have listened to my advice. All right. Um, you have other D20s, right? <laughs> With a nat one, you're going to stab out with the bottom half, and he's just going to sidestep that and elbow you. So it won't do as much damage as the axe blade. But doesn't he have, he has spiky elbows, though. Oh, yeah, you're right. I'm going to triple the damage. They, like, explode on impact. (laughs) He's right there. This isn't virtual. You can't private message me anymore. Doesn't he have explosive elbows? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. He's got a powder keg at the end of every elbow. Teacher, don't, no, you forgot to sign us homework. I believe you described them as dripping with poison as well. Uh, Eight points of piercing damage from his spiky elbow. Janessa and Cass. Cass gets a couple more shots off, and one of the wolves got back behind the perimeter, trying to just kick it off, and he has to use the butt of his gun in order to fight that one off. Another vampire gets back behind the holy water line toward Janessa. It goes to slash at her arm and hits, but she is going to take one of the spikes, twirl it around, and stab it straight down into its chest as it evaporates. It's screeching. (laughs) I believe that brings us back to the Tanarek's turn, so Mm -hmm. it's going to make its attack with a unnatural 20. It slashes down. That is going to be 11 more points of damage. How are you looking? I'm not looking great. Okay. But I'm also looking very pissed off. Okay. Yeah. Hit me with your best shot. We're going to go back to you. Okay. Walk this way. (laughs) Dude looks like a lady. Dude does look like a lady. So. You're full of sweet emotion. (laughs) Okay. I am going to use acrobatics again. But this time I'm going to try to like flip around and try to get on this thing's back. Okay. We'll do acrobatics contest. Nice. Yeah, it only got a 10. 22. Yeah, you definitely got on the back. It's spiky, but it doesn't hurt you. So then I'm going to cast Dimension Door. And since he is an unwilling creature, he gets a wisdom saving throw. Okay. And I'm going to go 500 feet straight up in the air. Yeah, that's a four. Nice. Okay. So when I go 500 feet straight up in the air, I'm going to then just kick off of his back and make him fall down faster than I am and just, like, kick myself out of his reach. Terminal velocity. And so this is our next, I think we figured out, six turns where he's falling straight to the ground. And when I get about 60 feet, I'm going to then cast Slow Fall. Mm -hmm. 
and he's going to take what did we work it out to? How many feather falls? Yeah, feather fall. Sorry. So it's one d six per ten feet of falling, up to a maximum of twenty d six, and you fall at a rate of five hundred feet per round. So in one round, he'll yeah. land on the ground. This could be it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. He is going to take 82. Dang. <laughs> 82 points of damage. And so suddenly, Janessa, after she stakes that one vampire, she catches a glimpse of you jumping on its back and then disappearing. And just thinks, what the fuck, to herself. Within seconds, she hears a... Uh, and looks back. This thing is on the ground, blood spattered around it. Its chest has caved in. Its tongue is lolled out of its mouth. Its jaw just simply snapped in half. Its skull where it hit the ground is completely caved in as this thing is completely KO'd. Holy That's nice. shit. In a dead way. So I, I then slowly float to the ground beside it and look up. Are there any vampires left? Yeah, there's a few. So I I look up and I walk slowly towards them and said, I give him one warning. I'm now giving you the same. And I'm trying to intimidate them. I don't know if it's possible, but I want them to roll intimidation. Uh, 14, unless you give me advantage. No, but they are taking disadvantage. Okay. Because they're getting their butts whooped by Cass and Janessa. Many of them against the holy water perimeter stop lurching out and all look to each other. And, well, first they look at you, but then it almost looks like they look off to the left as if deeper into Deadwood. Their eyes go wide. They all scamper back into the darkness. And Janessa and Cass are like breathing heavily and looking back and seeing the demon just completely laid out. Like, Janessa's smiling a little bit, and Cass is like, all right. Uh, You did ask me to take care of it. Your ring begins to glow, but brighter than before, with that same red and silver energy. Nox's voice comes into your head and says, Um, I I don't mean to alarm you, but uh, there is something very powerful nearby. Fidelma chimes in. What is that? Feels like the gem's about to explode. And sure enough, the chaotic humming coming from your ring begins to increase to the point where your hand is in pain trying to hold onto it attached to your flesh. A figure steps through the tree line. You shield your eyes as if blocking the very sun from your vision. There is only one thing I wish to know. And she looks at you all dourly. Can you stop a king from destroying his own kingdom? That's pretty much everything we've been working for. I hope, I certainly hope so. And how do you uh, propose you will do such a thing? Well, we must gain the favor of the masses. We've been doing pretty good at gathering all the resistors together and even meeting with new communities and making sure we're all on the same page. We have the orcs on our side. We have the halflings. We have, with your agreement, um, and I'm looking at Nyssa, we have a good portion of the church. 
I mean, who am I missing? We have the Resisters. I imagine if we speak to the Sandwood Elves, they'll most likely have similar ideas. It seems to me that if we're going to overthrow this new bishop, whatever his face is, then you, Telnius, need to prove to the people that your god is greater than this guy's god. So I think you should have a pray-off. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a good point. I like pray Some kind of competition in front of the people where they see that Telnius, I mean, Tesla is where it's at. Right. right. And Queen Margaret reaches under the desk. I brought my boombox. <laughs> What are you? <laughs> Maybe you've heard about my lord. <laughs> Sit on down, you won't get bored. Tesla is his name, and he's the greatest. It's you, ta- Taylor. <laughs> I, don't, I was going to say something about a sadist, but I don't know how. <laughs> don't listen to Karnas, because he's a sadist. Because <laughs> he's a Satanist. After this performance, the queen is sold. End yeah. of episode. Perfect. <laughs> and credits. Oh, man. Oh, now we know where the episode is supposed to end. <laughs> she says, um, so you have an army behind your words. That is formidable. I believe that I can help you then. Now that I know you have the numbers, if what you're saying is true, and Lady Brit's like shaking like we've, we've worked and many have sacrificed to gain the ranks that we have. And she gives Lady Brit an up-and-down look. They have history from back in Westwick before Athelstan was assassinated. The line that was crossed simply was this business with an ego, Aston and Tristan's father, now raised from the dead. Have you seen him since he's been raised from the dead? Uh, no, but I was close to an ego for many years. They had somewhat of a family secret, it seemed. From what I knew, I believe Inigo was attempting to teach his sons some type of dark magic. This was always a point of contention between Aston and I, and even at a young age, around fifteen, many years ago, Dristan wanted nothing to do with the family. The banking, the dark arts, anything that had to do with Popkin. So when he returned to the estate after coming here to the Abbey, I was quite surprised. But something had changed in him. He was drained of life. And once he learned that uh, Tori, Quincy's mother, had died while giving birth, he sailed away, having attacked Inigo. So now that he's returned... I believe something of his past has sparked him taking up these arts once more. I have not seen an ego, but from the stories I know, it is not a natural nor a good thing. But the people seem astounded at his his power. Well, that just further confirms my belief that he's not worshipping Thesla, that he's worshipping Karnas. He's probably not exactly resurrecting people. Yeah, it's most likely they're undead. I mean, like these vampires we're seeing, where more than likely it's some half-life. Well, again, I mean, we could just go in and bust some skulls, but if the people are behind him, then what do we got to do? I'm still standing by this idea that you got to prove that your god is greater than their god. Yeah, I mean, I'll definitely do that. I'll have a pray-off. At the very least, try to commune and see if that even answers. I do that. 
<laughs> uh, you actually know where you were standing, that circle of uh, standing stones. Mm. Again, they only come up about three feet or so, but that is known to be a circle where Thessalon followers go to pray. Okay, yeah. And that those eight stones are connected to the original eight members of the Abbey. So perhaps... If I was going to do it, I'd do it there. Yeah, yeah. and you know that a time of prayer would bring also a blessing from one of the eight stones. I Okay. <laughs> for later, just pocket that. Yeah. For the audience, his eyes just lit up real yeah, wide. Yeah, definitely doing that for Defo. sure. Defo. Yeah. She says, yes, I'm trying to sway the people. Look, I, I have in my time as queen not exactly enjoyed my leadership. It would be good to see someone on the throne who cares for the people, unlike Aston. I put my arm around Aias. <sighs> he was not the kindest father. We had trouble conceiving, and once we did, Ethan was born, Prince Ethan, with a virus that uh, disabled his legs. It made Aston angry, but I loved him with everything. That is when I stopped loving Aston those years ago, when I saw that his cruelty ran so deep as to hate his own son. At a young age, we brought him here to Penton to see the healers. They were helpful in combating the virus, but he would always have trouble walking. Nyssa helped design the braces in Ethan's armor later in life. Ethan and I saw the kindness of the church, so I encouraged him to pursue his dreams to his heart's content. Nyssa helped train Ethan to be the warrior prince he is today, blessed with Thessala's kindness and righteous fury. He has been sent to the new lands, though, so I'm afraid what we have here is all we have to work with if we are to make an affront to Dristan. I believe making a stand here at Penton will be... Perhaps our only hope. Are you proclaimed bishop up to the task? Uh, uh yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I must say I'm something of a charismatic leader. <laughs> if I know what charisma, charismatic means, Telenice is sure it. Well, I am here to help with any and all information pertaining to the Popkins and even their estate also on the coast of Kinsdale. Yeah, that's great. Do, does he have any secret weaknesses or anything? Like peanuts? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's or hammers? <laughs> not allergic to peanuts, but hammers he's not a big fan of, yeah. especially when bopped yeah. against the noggin. The old noggin bop, I know. I know. Allergic to noggin bops he is. <laughs> I, I am not entirely sure what Aston is planning, but... I know that he and Dristan have been working together at the estate, and what their plans will yield could only be destruction. I, I believe they must be stopped, and I am willing to help in any way that I can. Do you have any knowledge of where Aston is now? He must be surely in Westwick, but... Yes, he spends most of his time in the castle at Westwick, but does occasionally make his way back to the estate when... He has his libraries and, of course, mm -hmm. well, the, the dungeon areas as well. 
I, I know that that is where he and Tristan retire for much of their ill work. Is there anything we should know that you think is pertinent information that we may not currently have? There is one other thing. Tristan, when he returned, I assumed he may have been hiding out in Kasana because he returned with the Kasanian couple, the Viceroy, Amaro Marquez. He always kind of creeped me out, especially with his wife, Catrice. Uh, They were so gaunt looking and always wearing dark clothes and sporting dark parasols. A a very brutish couple. They sound like vampires. Yep, vampires, (laughs) 100%. Did you say Amaro and Catrice? Yes, yeah. Those are the same people from that journal we found in that cavern. Son of a bitch, you're right. Oh my gosh. I totally forgot about that. I pull out. I pull out. It's been a while, yeah. I pull out the uh, journal. Yeah, sure enough, you look at it and you had been able to make notes because it was Henry who was translating when Mm, saying that's right. It, I mean, the names are still, you can still read them verbatim. Amaro, and sure enough, the one who he was in love with, the name Mm. was Catrice. So you're saying you've seen these people? Yes, yes, they are. This journal was written long, long ago. Yeah, they're vampires. I guarantee Karnas, what he is able to offer is undeath. It's being an undead vampire or, yeah, it's eternal life, but you're a fucking vampire. Not good. You no, know? not great. These these vampires you speak of, the queen says, she's like, I've only heard tales or rumors. You, you have seen them, though. Oh, God, We've killed man. a few, yeah. Several. Seen him, we fought him. Eaten a couple of them. Befriended none, none of them. No, we haven't eaten or befriended any of them. Okay, well, it seems you all both have the experience and the numbers <laughs> to back up what you bring to the table. Let us mark it now. You have an allyship with the current, as far as I know, Queen of Trayland. Booyah. That's great. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but is there a library around here? Yes, uh, there is. I, there is. I can take you right to it. We should probably look up anything we can about how to kill vampires. Yeah, that's... And uh, learn as much as we can about that. Pretty good idea. Nissa speaks up and says, I, I have access to all the libraries here on the grounds of the Abbey, so looks like we have a lot of work and a lot of planning to do. I mean, I know all about them because I just read Twilight. Right. Right. Recently. So I... But you guys need to learn about it. Or the, we could just read Twilight. Well, yeah. The ancient text. <laughs> Twilight. Queen Margaret, we are grateful to accept your support. And she nods. Yes, I would have never dreamed myself to be working with resistors. And Lady Brit, the whole time, Rory, especially you, get a vibe off of her that she's not really enjoying being in the same room as Queen Margaret. Her husband, she believes, helped conspire to kill Athelstan. So she's just slowly nodding and processing things you can tell. So it might be a good time now that we have, you know, your word that you're on our side to let you know uh, we are working with Henry Locke. She's outside. Henry? (laughs) (laughs) She's gone over to the refectory. But the Queen says... I have already known that the resistors are willing to work with anyone. I mean, hell, you have uh, uh, gained an uh, allyship with the orcs, so... True. I, at this point, am 
weighing the consequences, teaming up with pirates, orcs, and vagabonds, or allowing Aston to fulfill whatever dire plans he is trying to fulfill. The kingdom of the undead doesn't sound great. No, no, definitely not. All right, well, let's go. Kal'un, once your eyes adjust, you watch the creature walk slowly toward the altar, glowing as bright as sunlight. It is as if you are seeing a vision. That is how they pass you, not giving anyone else any consideration. Their entire body is made of radiant, glowing light. Their long hair and beard are the color of the burning sun. Their face is a deep, dark bronze, and their eyes are a shimmering pure gold. Janessa falls to her knees at the sight, dropping her kukri and wooden stake. The silver vein amulet at her neck is glowing bright as well. Cass stands, his mouth wide open. This figure reaches the altar, once an anvil, and suddenly a blacksmith's hammer appears in their hand, and they are striking a red-hot blade. You look around you. The forest is returning to its former state of rapturous beauty. This is Juneo and you are watching the forging of Heart Cleaver. When he finishes, he holds up a glowing jagged blade, almost as tall as a man. He is then holding in his hand a much larger version of the Heart of the Mountain, a red ruby stone the size of Juneo's head, wrapped in silver veins. He then sets it on the anvil altar, and quickly splits it in half with heart cleaver. The red ruby rolls to the right, and the silver veins crawl to the left, completely sundered from each other. Juneo takes the red stone, raises it into the air, then points to the ground with the other hand. From his finger, a red mist floats, and where he is pointing, the image of a dwarf is formed. It is in the likeness of Fidelma. Then to the left, he holds up the silver, and from his finger, a gray mist floats, and where he points, the image of an orc is formed. It is in the likeness of Nox. They look at each other and run, embracing each other with their temporarily physical bodies. After a brief moment, they vanish while weeping with joy. Lastly, his image blinks and he stands before you, Kal U, reaches down and takes your hand with the Craig heart and says, What has been torn asunder? Bring together.